The accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba presents the 24th College Football Hall of Fame season of Fighting Irish Preview. And now, the Bandito's fresh made daily kickoff with your host, Phil Halk. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the Notre Dame football undefeated regular season honor roll. Listed with their head coaches, please hold your applause until the honored teams have all been announced. 1912, head coach John Marks. 1919, Newt Rockney. 1920, Newt Rockney. 1924, Newt Rockney. 1929, Newt Rockney. 1930, Newt Rockney. 1947, Frank Leahy. 1949, Frank Leahy. 1973, Era Parsegian. 1988, Lou Holtz. 2012, Brian Kelly. 2018, Brian Kelly. And congratulations to the newest member of this honor roll. 2020, Brian Kelly. A round of applause for all these great teams and coaches. That's right. In the 133-year history of Notre Dame football, undefeated regular seasons have happened just 13 times. And 120 times, they have not. The year 2020 has been memorable for some notorious reasons. But in the Notre Dame record book, under the year 2020, there will always be some very good news to report. Banditos with three Fort Wayne locations, Waynedale, Georgetown, and Glenbrook Commons. Banditos is fresh made daily. Now, stay tuned for insight and analysis from America's foremost authority on Notre Dame football, Tim Priester, senior editor of irishillustrated.com. Some reminiscing about the undefeated 2020 regular season, and we'll give you the early line on the ACC championship game. After these words from Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, Sheer McCulloch Auctioneers, and Flight by Yingling. Only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories. Raise the bar. This is Fighting Irish Preview. The University of Notre Dame exemplifies dedication to hard work, integrity, and personal values, which result in success in the classroom and on the football field. The professionals at Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like Notre Dame, know the same dedication, and their experience and expertise provide peace of mind for you and your business. Tax planning, tax compliance, auditing, business valuation, and estate planning, the full-service accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like the Irish, has what it takes to help you achieve success. Located in Fort Wayne near Jefferson Point, Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba proudly supports Notre Dame football and congratulates all those who are a part of the greatest tradition in all of sports. Go Irish! This is Art Salzberg. I don't endorse everybody, but I found a company that I think provides a great service. The company is Shearer McCulloch, and what they do is targeted specifically for seniors, people who may be thinking about downsizing and are overwhelmed by the thought of what it's going to take. Shearer McCulloch will pack you up, move you, and then sell your house and everything that's left. Now that's the most comprehensive relocation service anywhere, and what I call in sports terms covering all the bases. Shearer McCulloch uses an international auction platform to make sure your possessions are seen by the right buyers. They're looking to get top dollar from people who have an interest in the special treasures you've collected over the years. Shearer McCulloch is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and highly recommended by leading retirement communities and law firms. If Sharon and I decide to make a change 
change in lifestyle, we'll be calling Sharon McCulloch at 441-8636. That's 441-8636. We trust them, and we know they'll make things easy and profitable. Introducing Flight by Yingling, the next generation of light beer. For those who don't follow trends, but craft them. Flight by Yingling is 12 ounces of uncompromised refreshment from America's oldest brewery. With only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories, this is premium refreshment, six generations in the making. Don't just raise a glass, raise the bar. Flight by Yingling, now available wherever beer is sold. DG Yingling and Sun Incorporated, Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Please enjoy responsibly. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Halk. Tim Priester last week, slow start by the Irish, but I thought that uh, the performance, once again, of Ian Book, uh, save for that one bad pass that resulted in his second interception on the year, his performance was really consistent at a high level, uh, 24-37. And at one point among those, I had counted five drops by Notre Dame receivers, so the numbers could have been even better. 285 yards, three touchdowns, 53 yards rushing, another two TDs. Really a great performance overall. But let's talk about the main recipient of Book's good play last week, Javon McKinley. Seven catches, 111 yards. He finally broke into the scoring category, and he had three touchdowns. All three of the touchdowns were scored by him. You know, we have documented his rise from teetering on the brink two years ago of of losing his scholarship uh, to becoming a major weapon in this offense. How good is he and... Has he worked his way into an NFL career before our eyes in about, uh, oh, seven months? Uh, he's a very good college receiver. And you mentioned the three touchdowns. Could have been four had he not dropped the one in the opening series. Uh, but he's become a he's become a very good college receiver. Projecting him to the NFL, I think that's another – I mean, when you think about the significant step that he's taken to be a quality college player, the NFL is another step and. You know, it took him so long to get to the step that he's at now. I'm a little hesitant to, to predict, but I, he certainly put himself in position. And physically, he's going to impress people. I'm not exactly sure how well he will run at a combine or at a, at a clocking situation. And that could ultimately hold him back. But he has good size. He's an excellent blocker. He's caught the ball very well this year. Uh, he's put himself in position, con- considering where he was you know, even last year when he made a mark against uh, New Mexico and Bowling Green and Navy, it didn't impress a whole lot of people because of the competition. But he's put himself right there, and uh, he's come a long, long way in in just two years. Well, if I'm an NFL guy, and I like the way he is on a trajectory of improvement, and that just might continue for a little while longer. He just seems to be getting better almost uh Every week. Now, Tim, in the first half of the game when the Irish were looking sluggish and actually had fallen behind 7-3, to three, it was Kyron Williams who seemed to provide the team some juice. Talk about him as an emotional leader. You saw what I saw, uh, and he's not shy about being vocal down there on that field. No, big time. And, he, and he's vocal with his teammates in a good way, uh, you know, positively. And he and I think we're seeing more and more Northern players are willing to, uh, you know, to, to back up their performance with some words sometimes when they feel that it's it's necessary. I, I think that there's a limit. I don't think that they've reached it, um, you know, as it pertains to a Notre Dame football team. But it, it's good. I mean, they believe they believe they're going to win every time they take the field when they take the field next weekend against Clemson and Charlotte. They're going to believe that they're going to sweep the two-game series with Clemson and 
Kyron Williams is definitely at the forefront of that. He backs it up with his words. He backs it, certainly backs it up with his, his performance. And then his ability to block in the backfield is, is at a level that you rarely see. He is, he's an inspiration to that football team uh, and lifts that football team with his performance many times when they are sluggish. Well, I know when I was feeling just a little down when, <laughs> when Notre Dame was down 7-3 to three early and I saw him just getting his teammates all juiced up, I stood up <laughs> in the room and I said, all right, let's do it. We're going to be fine. In uh, the under, other running back out of that backfield who had a, had a big, big play, Chris Tyree, uh, the backbreaker with six minutes left. He goes 94 yards. Tim, we it seemed to me, and I said this at the time, finally we have seen the speed and uh, of Chris Tyree. He really turned it on and ran away from everybody on the field. That was exciting. And considering that, and it, it took 10 years for us to 10 day, 10 games to see that. Would you say that his uh, performance this year has been relatively disappointing? We had really high expectations for Chris Tyree. I, you know, I don't know that I would, I wouldn't use the word disappointing. He is over 400 yards. Now the 94 yarders certainly helped there. I, he, I think he's been a little inconsistent. I don't know that we've um, seen the best of him on a week to week, week to week basis, which is typical, of course, for a freshman. I've actually expected to see a little bit more burst from him on a more consistent basis. And that could be, you know, the, the season piles up game after game. You uh, usually wears on freshmen. Freshmen usually need to learn about the pace of a season, what they need to do physically and in preparation for a season. So I, I wouldn't say disappointment, uh, but, but I would say that he has um, – had some consistency issues from week to week. Yeah, well, 459 yards, over 400, as you said, three touchdowns. Uh, and no one expected Kyron Williams to go over 1,000. So uh, Ty- Tyree really hasn't gotten quite as many opportunities as maybe he would have otherwise. But, uh, you know, I think it's great to have both him and Kyron, and he definitely has that burst of speed. And another freshman who is exceeding expectations, no doubt about it, cornerback Clarence Lewis. He had 12 tackles, a pass defended. Uh, one of two Irish players, along with Javon McKinley, to win the Conference Player of the Week honors. Big game, Tim. What skills does this young man have that set him apart? Well, first of all, what we hear from the, the coaching staff is, and, and this is a great starting point, He's even keeled. He's not, you know, a bad play doesn't affect him too negatively. A good play doesn't affect him too positively. So he stays on that even keel. I, I think fundamentally, I, I love everything I see about him fundamentally. He doesn't get himself all turned around and out of position. He keeps his um, his pads above him or, or what I like to say is center of gravity um, below his pads. He's just... He, he's a guy that knows how to play the position, uh, never is too far off as a defender in terms of, you know, positioning on a receiver. I thought he was really physical against Syracuse. I thought that was his most physical game. He did have the 12 tackles. A lot of times tackle totals are deceiving for defensive backs because it generally means that they're making a tackle after the pass has been completed in front of them. But that wasn't necessarily the case with him last week. I thought he was proactive in the run game. He's usually allowed around the line of scrimmage when it comes to helping with a run game. I, I, he's just, I think he's going to be a really outstanding cornerback. And uh, the Syracuse game was probably about the peak of his performance 
through the first 10 games. Yeah, it's been great to see him coming along. It, it was needed in that backfield. A bright future indeed for Clarence Lewis. Tim, when you walked away from the game last week, which the game was a little uneven by the Irish, uh, where did you feel the temperature of this Irish team stood as they now prepare for a conference championship game? The Syracuse game was, they were, it was really difficult for them to be at an emotional peak or or where they needed to be because you know, you're, you're coming off the big North Carolina game when everybody in the world was saying upset alert. Uh, and and they, they, it was a hard fought game and they, and they won that played well, played very well down the, down the stretch. Then you find out that the Wake Forest game scheduled for this weekend is canceled. You're playing Syracuse. They're coming in at one and nine. And then Syracuse comes in. I didn't realize, having been at the game in the press box, I didn't realize how just how hyped up that Syracuse team was till I watched the, the, the recording of the game. I mean, they were into it. I, I, I give Syracuse a ton of credit. Tony White, their defensive coordinator, it doesn't show up in the stats. They still give up, give up a lot of points because they're young and they don't know how to win and they don't know how to keep people out of the end zone. But they are a physical, feisty bunch. And so you add all that up and Notre Dame's ability to be uh, emotionally peaked for the, the – oh, I, I forgot to mention Senior Day, which is which tugs at the emotions too. So um, not Notre Dame's best performance – and yet they were up 31 and they won by 24. That's you know, the side of a team in the country. No doubt. And the, the performance almost reminded me a little bit of what we saw when the Irish uh, took on Georgia Tech. They won that game 31-13, a little sluggish. Uh, but then the next week they went out and did their thing against Clemson. So let's let's hope that comparison holds. Uh, let's let's review a little bit about the 2020 regular season now that it's over. And I want to go over some of the highlights, or as the case may be, the lowlights of what we what we've dealt with since uh, spring practice was canceled. Tim, at any point in the year, did you think there was just no way Notre Dame would play football and? Talk a little bit about the role that Jack Swarbrick has played in all of this, and and you had him on your podcast this week, and that's that's really a spectacular thing to listen to. Folks should go to irishillustrated.com and listen to it. But did you think that the season was going to be canceled? Uh, there was a there was a few days. I wish I could pinpoint the exact days in August, but um, for some reason August eleventh comes to mind. And I don't I don't know if that's the exact date, but it was around there. When we were getting indications that it was really sliding in the other direction and that the ACC uh, presidents and athletic directors were on the verge of pulling the plug. And at that point, I do believe that Jack Swarbrick played a very significant role, if nothing else, just expressing the opinion, let's relax a little bit through this preseason, um, you know, ride the ups and downs a little bit and see where we are you know, a couple weeks from now. Well, during that time, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 pulled the plug and ACC and the Big 12 and the SEC stayed the course. And I I give Jack Swarbrick a ton of credit. Uh, Obviously, the ACC people, the presidents and the ADs had as much to do with it, but it was my understanding that Jack Swarbrick was kind of the calming influence and said, let's not overreact. Let's continue to work through preseason practice and then see if we can get through it. And then things leveled off a little bit. And when things, when Notre Dame had to postpone their September 26th game with Wake Forest, it was concerning, especially knowing that they would still be impacted by the time they got to play a game again against Florida State. But again, 
uh, even keel. Brian Kelly has a lot to do with that. Jack Swarbrick has a lot to do with that. Write it out. Uh, but I get my answer to your question is my greatest concern was in that second week of August when things seemed to be rolling against uh, them and it was going to be very difficult to get the season started. Well, they they did get that season started. And as it turns out, I think the the best move the ACC made and the SEC, for that matter, was to just plow forward because the best time as far as the COVID was concerned was during the summer. It's certainly gotten worse uh, since then. Uh, So the Irish win their first two uh, then they struggled for a few games. Uh, you mentioned the Florida State game. That was a 42-26. to 26. They actually had struggled through their first two, I thought, uh, despite the the blowout of, of, of South Florida. But then Louisville, 12-7. to 7, That one had fans really shrugging their shoulders. But I thought that the key after that for the Irish was the emergence of a couple of wide receivers. And, and the Pittsburgh game was the probably the, the, the key game. And in that game, Ben Skronik, two big touchdowns en route to a 45-3 win. And then, Tim, starting around midseason, Ian Book seemed to become the quarterback. How much that we had expected him to be, how much did the emergence of those two wide receivers have to do with that? I think it had a lot to do with it. And I know that it was an emphasis on the practice field after the first couple of games that they, they had to get the wide receivers involved. Remember, they were going to the tight ends and running backs. Uh, almost not exclusively, but a, a large majority. And it's always good to use your tight ends and running backs, but not at the expense of your wide receivers because it's difficult to push the ball downfield without your wideouts involved. So uh, they emphasized that it was something that they really, really worked on hard in practice. And all of a sudden, you know, you have the big, the big performance by Skoranek at Pittsburgh. Then McKinley comes on. Then Davis has the big play at the end of regulation against Clemson. And all of a sudden you have three wideouts in addition to Michael Mayer doing damage at tight end, Tommy Tremble doing what he does as a blocker, um, you know, and then the, the usual productivity on the ground from Kyron Williams and, and, and uh, getting the ball to the running backs a little bit in the passing game. So but the big step up, absolutely, Phil, was when Ian Book started to connect with his wide receivers now you felt, and then Ian Book starts to become more consistent, begin, really beginning with the Clemson game. At that point, you start to feel like, okay, with this defense, the offense coming on, this is a pretty complete football team now. Yeah, and then, I, it, it, of course, beating number one Clemson uh, was, was uh, taking the cake, but the icing on the cake I thought was the North Carolina victory, which was a really, really good team, and the Irish played well there, and they completed the 10-0 and regular season journey last week. Tim, a a couple of other questions before we uh, go to the next segment. Tony Dungy last week compared Ian Book to Joe Montana. What do you think? (laughs) Well, he clarified by talking about leadership terms, and and he wasn't talking about Ian Book going on to the NFL and and, uh, doing what Joe Montana did. But, you know, I mean, from that standpoint, I I think certainly – uh, that has been the case, and I always I, I feel like I need to offer a clarifier. But it, it's been four games, really. I mean, he was he was an inconsistent quarterback for the first twenty nine starts. He is now a top notch quality, one of the best college quarterbacks in the game today. Um, and a lot of it is leadership, and the players do believe in him. And you know, he leads um, with his feet as much as his arm many times, and that's a significant part of his game. 
But uh, he, there's no doubt that the, the, the offense in particular loves and respects him, believes in him. And now that his confidence is at the level that it's at, uh, getting back to what I just said a little bit ago, uh, he has the rise in his performance has made this a complete football team and a legitimate number two in the country. No doubt about it. Uh, similar in stature to Montana, by the way, uh, both with a knack for winning. Uh, and I also like comparing Ian Book to Joe Theismann, one of my all-time favorite players. But uh, it's fun to be able to make those comparisons. Thanks, Tim. Coming up, it's the all-time Irish hero, key to an Irish victory, injury report, and the world-famous Irish illustrated prediction. And during the break, it's the Fighting Irish Fact of the Week, brought to you by Ron Wise and the Wise Insurance Agency. This is the 252nd edition of Fighting Irish Preview. Shining the light into my room. Oh, I'm sure the morning sun can eliminate my gloom. If it shine a little light into my room, all I want is some sunshine. Sunshine shining through these windows of mine, and I want it to be easy, easy. Your clear choice is Bushy. Treat each house as if it was your own. Our mission statement at Bushy's Windows, Doors, and Remodeling. Hi, I'm Jim Bushy. At Bushy's, we're proud of our home improvement products that we offer, and we are even more proud of the award-winning installers who will come to your home. Right now, take advantage of our 12-month 0% interest payment plan, and estimates are always free. So call Bushy's at 456-1247, stop into our showroom, or check out Bushy'sFW.com. Bushy's Windows, Doors, and Remodeling. Your clear choice. Your The Fighting Irish Fact of the Week is brought to you by our friends at the Wise Insurance Agency. Among its former players, Notre Dame boasts 13 NFL Hall of Famers, the most of any college program. Call Ron Wise at the Wise Insurance Agency or go to thewiseinsuranceagency.com and get an auto or home quote in less than five minutes. Introducing Flight by Yingling, the next generation of light beer. For those who don't follow trends, but craft them. Flight by Yingling is 12 ounces of uncompromised refreshment from America's oldest brewery. With only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories, this is premium refreshment, six generations in the making. Don't just raise a glass, raise the bar. Flight by Yingling, now available wherever beer is sold. DG Yingling and Sun Incorporated, Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Please enjoy responsibly. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Halk. This is Fighting Irish Preview, the second-ranked Irish are on a bye this week. Their next game is Saturday, December 19th, and will be the ACC Championship at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte against number 3 Clemson, but you already knew that. TV coverage will be on ABC, and that will start at 4 p.m. South Bend time. And it's now time for the all-time Irish hero brought to you by the Marina at Lake Gage. Chris Craft, Mastercraft, and Premier Pontoons, we share your boating passion. This week, we continue our series on the great pass receivers of the Brian Kelly years. Uh, let's review those receivers that we've covered so far. Golden Tate, Kyle Rudolph, Michael Floyd, Tyler Eifert, TJ Jones, Will Fuller, Equiminius St. Brown, Miles Boykin, Cole Komet, and this week, the great Chase Claypool. Claypool came from humble beginnings in British Columbia, Canada, and one time, believe it or not, scored 10 touchdowns in a game in junior high. 
So his athleticism was on display very early on in his life. He scored 26 touchdowns and threw for three more as a senior in high school and was a terror on defense. But tucked away far up north, he was a little hard to find. Luckily, ND won his services thanks to an early connection Brian Pullian had had with him when Pullian was the head coach at Nevada. At Notre Dame, he had an immediate impact on special teams, leading the team in special teams tackles his freshman year, and he also caught six passes. That standout role on special teams continued all four seasons, and his role on offense expanded as a sophomore when he was the team's second leading receiver with 29 receptions. His junior year was a breakthrough when it became apparent that he was playing wide receiver with a newly noticeable trait of ferocity. Yards after catch came in bunches as he played a physical brand of football, fighting for every inch. He finished out 2018 with 50 catches for 639 yards and four touchdowns. And as a senior, Claypool was spectacular. Ian Book's go-to guy. He seemed to win every 50-50 ball, and he had a nose for the end zone. Claypool totaled 1,037 yards and 13 touchdowns. In his last game, the Camping World Bowl, he was the best player on the field posting a 146-yard one TD effort and was named the game MVP. Claypool went on to post tremendous numbers at the NFL Combine and was drafted 49th overall by the Pittsburgh Steelers, a team that is very happy with their pick. Tim, I enjoyed watching Claypool develop at Notre Dame. His athleticism was never in doubt, but he needed to follow the process a little bit. But when it clicked in for him, he was nearly unstoppable. Total self-made man. I mean, really, you mentioned the first thing you said about humble beginnings, very humble beginnings, and a thousand reasons not to be successful. Uh, but Nordane did find him, and, uh, you know, he was a little incorrigible <laughs> at times early in his career. So the coaching staff had to be patient with him. They had to be consistent with him. And he just, as he got better, his maturity followed with it. And by the time he was a senior last year, He was such a force, great confidence in his ability, strength, athleticism, speed, not a burner, but when you add everything up, just a tremendous competitor. Uh, And he is tearing it up in the NFL with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, when he was drafted uh, by the Steelers last April, uh, I have friends who are Pittsburgh Steelers fans, and I immediately texted them and I said, you guys just got the pick of the draft. I have no doubt about it. Uh, Chase Claypool was also a tremendous basketball player, averaging 47 points per game in high school. Uh, but then he gave the game up and settled on football, and Notre Dame fans are happy about that. Chase Claypool, another Marina at Lake Gage, all-time Irish hero. The Marina at Lake Gage, we love boats, and it's now time for the Aspen Mortgage early line on an Irish victory over Clemson in the ACC championship game next week. Tim, it wasn't very long ago, but here we go again. The first Saturday of November, the Irish 47-40 winners in double overtime uh, over the Tigers, who are missing all-galaxy quarterback Trevor Lawrence, but got a 439-yard, two-TD effort out of DJ Uy Angaleli, while Travis Etienne was held to just 28 yards on the ground on 18 carries. Those were the key stats from that game as far as that great Clemson offense. Since then, Clemson has defeated Pitt 52-17, to and last week, Virginia Tech 45-10. to So, Tim Priester, what is the Aspen Mortgage early line on the Clemson rematch? Well, the actual line, the betting line is seven and a half in favor of uh, Clemson. And I think that's a fair number if it's below seven. 
and a lot of people would be jumping on uh, on Clemson. So I think it's a fair line. Um, I, I think Notre Dame is capable of winning this game. I also know that winning rematches is very, very difficult. The biggest difference for me, and, and Trevor Lawrence is back, and um, he is otherworldly. There's no doubt about that. He is from another galaxy. <laughs> um, but I think the biggest difference, because Uyangalele did throw for 439 yards last time, Notre Dame does not have Jared Patterson at center, and it, Clemson does have Tyler Davis back at, at nose. I, Notre Dame won the trenches on both sides of the ball last time, and I still think that Notre Dame's defensive line has the edge up front against Clemson's offensive line, but that's a matchup that concerns me, uh, whether it's Corral or whether it's Lug battling with Tyler Davis and the other interior offensive line, offensive line against the interior line of Clemson's defense. It's a tough matchup, but I do believe that Notre Dame is very much capable of of winning both games um, in this two-game match. Second game in five games, and they could play them in the playoffs, too. It would be three times in seven games, probably. I don't think that they would be paired off in the in the uh, semifinals, but uh, they could meet for a third time um, in the national championship as well. Yeah, it's kind of like Frazier Ali, the rematch three <laughs> three times. And that is Tim Priester's early line uh, brought to you by Aspen Mortgage on the Clemson rematch next week. And Tim Priester, for this week's Aspen Mortgage key player, let me throw out the name of someone who has, I think, really come into his own this year along that defensive line. And we, we just don't talk enough about him. There's just not enough time. Adi Ogundeji. Oh, I agree with you, Phil. He's really come on strong. Um, Brian Kelly has said it. Ade has said it himself that he got off to a little bit of a slow start. You know, he was used to coming off the bench and didn't have to be the lead guy and the full-time guy. Uh, and so it took a little adjustment, but I think he's played really, really well down the stretch. He's been a he's been a difference maker for, for Notre Dame. I would throw in Myron Tagovailoa Mosa, who I think is playing his best ball as well, so that's why Kurt Heinisch is is making an impact. Uh, Justin Adamiola has played well. Dalen Hayes has played his best football since the Georgia Tech game. So I still like Notre Dame's advantage with their defensive front uh, against Clemson's offensive line. Okay, well we'll look forward to that. Thanks, Tim. Aspen Mortgage for all your mortgage needs. Call four eight six loan. And it's now time for the injury report brought to you by Indiana Physical Therapy. Your choice for physical therapy now with twenty Indiana locations. Tim, bye weeks are great for getting healthy. We always say that. Uh, and so, where do the Irish now stand? And there's a there's some issues at the center position which you just made reference to. But let's talk about that a little more in depth. Yeah, most of the uh, injury issues are on the offensive line, specifically the interior offensive line. Tommy Kramer will be back. He did play for most of the second quarter of the Syracuse game coming off the appendectomy. But the question is who will be ready to play center? Kramer will be back at right guard. Will it be Zeke Corral or Josh Lug? Uh, Corral started against North Carolina at center. Lug started against Syracuse at center. Corral, of course, is the natural center. And I think all things being equal, I mean, if you, if, if both of them were, were at the same level of recovery from injury, I think Notre Dame would choose Lug to start against Clemson because he is the older, more experienced player. I like Corral's game. I really like the way he played against North Carolina. I think he has the better chance 
to hold up on the interior there. He's not as large, certainly, because Lug's six foot seven, so he doesn't present the same imposing figure there. But, um, you know, I, I mean, I don't know that there's a bad choice between the two, but I do think that Corral is definitely the more natural center. Okay, well, that's interesting to see how that develops. <laughs> Hopefully, we'll know more next week. Thanks, Tim. And that is the Indiana Physical Therapy Injury Report. And it's now time for the world-famous Irish Illustrated Prediction brought to you by irishillustrated.com. Uh, go there and, and listen to that Jack Swarbrick interview. Uh, Tim Priester, for the bye week, uh, I've, originally I wanted you to predict my favorite non-indie football game every year, and that is the IU-Purdue Old Oak and Bucket War, uh, but COVID took care of that. So I thought I'd ask you to predict a couple of props for the big game next week, and of course that's the Indy-Clemson game, and the hype is building now, and it's only going to go over the top by this time next week. Number one, Trevor Lawrence, 300 yards passing, over or under? Uh, he gets to 250 in his sleep generally, so I will say, I'll say over. I don't know that Nordane can do as good of a job against ETN uh, against the run, which is what prompted Uyangalele to throw as much as he did. But 300 yards is a layup for Trevor Lawrence. Okay, Ian Book, 50 yards rushing. Uh, I would say over really gives Nordane a great chance to win. They're going to spy the heck out of him. They tried to do that last time and weren't able to do it. If James Skalski's back in the lineup for them, which I think he will be, I think it's going to make it difficult. I'll say under. Okay, well, let's hope Let's hope for over, though. That would be a big bonus for the Irish's yeah. chances. All right, Kyron Williams, 20 carries over or under. He's averaging 18 a game. Yes, he is, and he had 20. It took his 20th against Syracuse to get to 1,000 yards on the season. Uh, I would say over, uh, you know, two weeks to prepare. He's your money back. You do what you have to do. You feed him the football as much as you have to. You do, and you and you do what you do well, and, and that's Kyron Williams carrying, <coughs> carrying the ball. Uh, and finally, two, the number of times whoever announces the game will report that Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa is a really good pro prospect. Over or under two? It's a good line, Phil. It's a good line. That may be a push. It's a push. Yeah, I'd say it's a push. <laughs> It'll definitely happen twice. Okay, and that's a little flavor for what we're in for next week, fans. ND Clemson, the rematch. Let the hype build. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Phil. Go Irish, and thanks for listening to Fighting Irish Preview. Special thanks to Jim Shovelin, Art Salzberg, and studio producer Adam Schenkel. Fighting Irish Preview is the copyrighted property of Judge Phil Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.